This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie, and we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, everybody. Hi. Guys, we have a hell of a show. It's a doozy. We're still high from it. It is such a doozy. The new Clifford the Big Red Dog movie is out today nationwide and on Paramount Plus, and we are talking all about it. This is our Clifford the Big Red Dog episode. First, we've got interviews with the stars of the film Darby Camp, Jack Whitehall, Isaac Wang, John Cleese, Tony Hale, as well as producer Jordan Kerner and director Walt Becker. Just wait till you hear some of these interviews. They are so awesome. And then we're asking, what's the deal with Clifford? And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. And up next, take it away, kid. Kicking shit. All right, who wants to go first? Oh, well, I'll go first. Okay. My shits are, my back has been thrown out once again. I am just in pain. (laughs) Can't move. I am propped up with pillows and a hot water bottle right now, like an old lady. It is... It's terrible. Fuck this. I hate this. Guys, I am in so much pain. I had to go to PT yesterday. My dude's meat was like pushing on my back in a way that made it feel so much better. I just want to go see him every single day. It is awful. The tits that have come out of these shits are we were supposed to go to Pleasantville this weekend. Again, that's Delaware, Matt's family's house. I did not want to be sitting in a car for three hours because I think that would negatively affect my back. So instead, I have stayed home while the boys are there. And although I would love to be visiting everybody, I'm kind of excited about like three solid days by myself. I'm so jealous. I have had this once and I guarantee you I won't leave my bed other than right now. Um, I will be working in bed, resting my back, not carrying things, not lifting things. And I am so excited for it. I'm so excited for it. Just to interrupt for a second because my shits are going to be somewhat similar. I just have to say that being a mom or a dad, I guess, but I'm I'm a mom, so I'm going to talk about being a mom, and this is called Momtourage. When you throw your back or your neck or your whatever out, and they're like, don't lift, you're like, I have a toddler. How am I supposed to not lift things? Forget about even lifting your kids. What about all the shit that they leave on the floor that you have to pick up? Like, that's impossible. It's so bad. Like, I can't, like, be seated and lean across the bed to get something else. It is so bad. I have been hopped up on Motrin, and uh, my dude Sumit, my hero. Anyway, how are you? you. My tits are that I spent an entire evening with Ashley. We saw a show. We ate dinner. We went to a hotel. We went to bed early. We watched crap television. Ashley slept mid-sentence. She fell asleep and she had the look. Did I mid-sentence? Yes. She had the look (laughs) of a tiny angel while I stayed up an additional hours checking in on her, making sure she was breathing. (laughs) 
It was a joy. It really was. It's so sad for me that like 12 hours of spending alone time with Ashley was like the highlight of my year. What if the same manifest that we get to do this for multiple days at a time because it was joyful. Although after what we saw. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. I have another little mini tit, which is I'm currently at my mom's house recording because parent teacher conferences in New Jersey mean I don't have childcare. So uh, to get shit done, I drove to my mom's house, just me and Luna. And on the way here, one of my favorite rest stops, Cheesequake, funny to say, interesting to go to, great services at that rest stop. Cheesequake has renamed itself to the John Bon Jovi rest stop. And it just happened. I pass that all the time. And I'm like, Jean Bon Jovi, come on, what's your rest stop? When are we going to get the Springsteen rest stop? Like that should have been the first. There has to be a Springsteen rest stop. There isn't. Really? We need one. I think the one closest to me is the Vince Lombardi rest stop. And honestly, by the way, this is the most New Jersey fucking (laughs) conversation and only New Jersey people are going to get this. But like, isn't Vince Lombardi, I'm not even sure who he is. He played a sport of some kind. I was like a sportscaster too. Got it. But let me tell you, 125, formerly Cheesequake on the Garden State Parkway is now the John Bon Jovi. And I highly recommend (laughs) that the Mammoth rest stop at 100, which is close to the Asbury Park freehold situation where um, Bruce Springsteen. That has a Shake Shack. Yes, where Bruce Springsteen grew up. I'm going to petition to name that one the Springsteen rest stop. Yes. Like, did John Bon Jovi donate money? Like, I think Springsteen should have happened before. Anyway, I have questions. I'm going to contact my local representatives. You want to know a fun Springsteen fact I just learned? Sure. Oh, God. Now I'm confused. Either way, I don't know if it's Springsteen or Bon Jovi, but I think it's Springsteen. I could, it might be Bon Jovi. One of their sons is a cop in Jersey City. Oh, interesting. I know that Springsteen's daughter is an Olympian. Oh, what is she? Equestrian. She won like the silver. Rich people shit. Only rich people can ride horses. Right. Okay, my shits. I have a pinched nerve in my neck and my cervical spine and acute carpal tunnel. And also, I'm now going to PT three times a week for a month. That's aggressive. We're so fucking old. <laughs> we are so old. It's embarrassing, We should honestly. change the momtrage artwork to just have us having gray hair now and like granny glasses. It'll be called old tourage. <laughs> Senior Taraj. Geriatraj. Anyway. Yeah. So that's that. And then I'm going to say something a little bit controversial and I debated. Are we doing it? Are we going for it? I think we need to. Okay. Look, we're prefacing this with, we talk about everyone's hot goss, right? We talk about everyone's hot goss all the time. And we have our own firsthand hot goss. When we tell you this, we're going to make some enemies. We're going to make some enemies. And we're aware of it while we're doing it. We're doing God's work here. Go for it, Kate. So Ashley and I bought tickets to see Cat and Nat live. Pretty much the number one in the business. You guys know who Cat and Nat is. If you know who we are, you certainly know. They're very highly respected and loved. My sister has seen them pre-pandemic and thought they were amazing and wanted to take me as well. I'm going to help you tell this story because, you know, it's our shared story. It should be noted that we really didn't know much about Cat and Nat. We've seen some videos. I've listened to a couple episodes of the podcast. I have the book, which I have not read. But really, this was for research purposes because you guys have been hearing us talk about how we want to go on tour and we figured, well, let's go see how the biggest mom duo does it. So we go. We paid a lot of money. $185 for two tickets for a theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. And I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not good, bitch. That was, to quote Dorinda, not good. Abysmal. Really bad. It was abysmal. We left before intermission and Carrie took a FaceTime call during the show. She took a FaceTime time call during the show and 
did not give a shit. To put my kid to bed. Yes, but you still don't do that during a show. You're a performer. You but know that. But other people were accepting FaceTime calls and bringing them up to the stage because that's part of the thing. So I was like, maybe this will make it better if I try to bring my FaceTime call up. And then I was like, I don't actually want to go on stage. And I just want you guys to know, it got to a point where, firstly, Carrie kept whispering in my ear very loudly, this is terrible. And, you know, there were people, well, let's, let's backtrack even further. The whole top area closed down. I would say the theater was more than 50% empty. Right. Because we were at like the halfway line and there was maybe one or two rows behind us and even the rows in front of us were still pretty empty. Which is okay. It's hard to sell out a theater. It's COVID. And it's also a mom show so like it's hard to get babysitters. Yes. However, they kept doing like bits that didn't make sense to what they were given. They just had a script and they were trying to make it work and they kept showing videos of their most famous videos which everyone in the audience will have already seen that so like give us new content. They seemed just not on their game. They had a real D-bag DJ that wasn't doing anything for him. The DJ didn't even sound check before the show. He like tried to start the show. His shit wasn't working and they had to bring out like a a tech guy right when the show was starting. So he definitely didn't sound check. And a lot of the jokes were like lowest hanging fruit. How often do you have to give your husband a blowjob for him to like pay for your life? Jokes. A lot of anal sex jokes, which like no shame in anal sex. You guys do whatever you need to do. And Ashley and I are not prude. No, not at all. But it just felt like it just wasn't funny. It was like it was cheap. It was like jokes from the 90s that a woman comic would make before the Me Too movement. Right. It was like early like female comedian that their whole shtick is just like sex, 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 sex. But it wasn't even funny. And the thing is, I know they're talented and I know they sell out venues and everything. So I don't know if this was an off thing or the audience. They weren't getting much from the audience because we're Jerseyans and we're tough cookies because a lot of people left. It wasn't just us. Like there was a mass exodus of people being like, that was horrible before the show was over. So basically they got to this whole thing where they talk about like, you know, real life best friends that are just like them and they bring them up with some sentimental thing. And that's when I turned to Carrie and I was like, we gotta go. We gotta leave. And Carrie was like, wait, but I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. We have to leave. So we left. We go to the bathroom, and as we're in the bathroom, everyone starts coming out of the theater, and I'm like, oh my god, is the show over? It was like 45 minutes of a show, that's what we paid all this money for? Turns out it was intermission. We're outside waiting for an Uber, everyone goes back in. We're sitting there thinking, okay, what's wrong with us? We're the only people that are not into this. And then after intermission, (laughs) like 40 people left, and they all walked out of there saying how bad it was. So, I mean, I'm not happy that that happened for them. I feel bad for them, because, you know... We may be in this position one day. It made us really rethink, honestly, wanting to do live shows. Because we're like, maybe... If these two can't do it. Yeah. And Gino, your sister, when she went, she had a great time. So I don't know if it was kind of like, you know, I saw Luann, Countess Luann's second show at BravoCon. Not her, like, hashtag Countess and Friends. It was, like, the new edition of it called, like, Fuck, Mary Kill or something. It was terrible. You know, I rewatched the episodes every night. The episode where they go to her cabaret, her first ever cabaret, looked amazing. And this wasn't it. So maybe it was just like, it's kind of a, they ran out of new material. I don't know. Or like every time I see Fiona Apple, it's a toss up of how out of it she's going to be and how good the show is. Sometimes it's yeah. the best show of my life. Sometimes I just walk out. Yeah. Guys, live theater. It's crazy. It was really something. We want to hear from you. Have you seen Cat and Nat live? And how was it? Because we're really hoping this was a one-off. Right. And that this is not how the 
the show really is. We all have our bad days. We want to hear from you. Have you seen Cat Nat live? And how was it? We won't mention you on the show. We're just curious ourselves. And also, despite all that, despite being at $185 and I was outside with Carrie saying, should I go try and get my money back from the a ticket person or something? We still had the greatest time. Yes. It was just so nice to spend some like quality time, just the two of us, hanging out, eating food, drinking, you know. Coming up with new ideas for Momtourage. Yeah, talking about Momtourage and what we can do with it. It it really was a great time. So thank you guys for that. Um, Ashley, I have a question. I see here on the notes that part of your shits is hand sanitizer as body wash. I'm curious what that means. Oh, remember that candle you gave me and the little bottle? Yeah. I've assumed that bottle was body wash. (laughs) And so I like take it into the shower and I'm like soaping up my body. I'm like, man, this body wash sucks. It smells delicious, but there's no, there's no lather to it. Yeah. I realized later it was hand sanitizer. I put that in my coochie and everything, by the way. <laughs> you are real clean. Next week, Ashley's yeah. shits will be she has a raging yeast infection from clearing out all the good bacteria from her vagina. You know, I will tell you, I was feeling a little like UTI, like an oncoming UTI, and it suddenly makes sense why. <laughs> It never came to, like, full fruition, thank God. Uh, but now I get why. You know, when I think of an interview with John Cleese, I think about a UTI. <laughs> That's what I think about. It's, like, oh, really. Oh, no, you don't. No one will after hearing how sweet he no, is. No, it was just, like, a weird pairing. I'm like, and now we're going to talk to John Cleese. God, can you imagine if he listens to, I mean, he's not going to because no. he's an 82-year-old fucking legend. Uh, and he has no reason to listen to Does this. Does he even know how to use Apple Podcasts? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. He probably has a flip phone, and I like that about him. Maybe he has a black booty. Maybe, but I think this is too crass for him. And honestly, we're doing him a huge disservice by speaking as foul as we are. (laughs) John Cleese, I love you. Hey, guys, we're going to do a a new thing. We're copying this off of Celebrity Memoir Book Club, which, if you guys don't listen... It's a delight. It really is truly a delight. Every episode, they read a celebrity memoir. It's just chock full of hot goss. They just did Miley Cyrus's book, and you have to... It's so funny. Okay. Their take on it, it's not the Miley Cyrus content, but their take on it is so funny. I was like, say what? They did this thing where they said, hey, we're going to read a review every episode until you guys get us to a thousand reviews. And they got to a thousand reviews. Because they just annoyed everybody. So we're going to do that with you. Now we're going to annoy the hell out of you. Every episode, we're going to read a review, new or old. Until we get to a thousand. And then you don't have to hear it anymore. So today's, do you want to read today's? Sure. Today's is from Amanda... Zoo. And she says, I love these gals. This is my favorite podcast. I don't even care if they interview anyone. I just love listening to them complain about all the same stuff I hate. Amanda. And we love you for it, Amanda. Because really, Ashley and our dream is just to complain to people and gossip. That's really all we want to do. It's really lowest common denominator kind of stuff. Some people like to talk about anal sex. We like to talk about the hot goss and complaining. You know, why don't you reach out to us, Amanda? We're going to send you a little momtrash swag. You can email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com and the rest of you get on reviewing us please guys I know you always think about doing it and then your kid does something and you don't do it I'm saying when you're taking a poop on the toilet open up the podcast app the next poop you take and you can even write in the reviews I'm taking a poop right now that would be the best review we could hear I'm taking a poop right now but I want to say that I enjoy Ashley as much as I enjoy this shit that would be an amazing review oh my god that would make my life if someone said they enjoy me as much as they enjoy their shit I'd be like wow 
how you love me because I know how much I love poop. And steal your partner's phone because Lord knows he probably doesn't want to listen to us whine. Steal your kid's phone. You bought it for them anyway. And let's get this done. Let's get it done, guys. All right, let's get to it. Woo! Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, this is, it's so good. Based on the beloved scholastic book character created by author Norman Bridwell, the new movie Clifford the Big Red Dog will teach your kids and all of us how to love big. Today we're chatting with the stars of the film Darby Camp, Jack Whitehall, Isaac Wing, John Cleese, Tony Hale, and producer Jordan Kerner and director Walt Becker about the new film out today nationwide and on Paramount+. First up, we are chatting with the stars of the film Darby Camp and Jack Whitehall, who play Emily Elizabeth and her uncle Casey. Okay, so this question is for both of you. You are both stars of the film and we've been seeing a lot of you both in other projects like Big Little Lies and the Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2 for Darby and Jungle Cruise for you, Jack. We've been trying to be household American names for years now. So what are we doing wrong? (laughs) Get in there with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. That's the key. I mean, I was trying to get into Big Little Lies for two seasons and they wouldn't have me. This is the only way I could work with Darby Camp. They went with Meryl instead of you this time. Outrageous. (laughs) Maybe we need to work on our British accents, Ashley. Oh, I definitely do. Oh yeah. How are your British accents? Better than my American? Not too bad. Oh, very good. Good day, sir. Aside from being interviewed by us, which I'm sure is a huge challenge because, you know, our bad accents, but what was the biggest challenge of working with this CGI character? There were many different challenges, I think. I think overall it was easier at some times, but I think fun most of the time. They did quite a lot of it with a puppet of Clifford. And then they also had other body parts of Clifford that they would operate, like his tail on a stick. They had his head on a stick (laughs) as well, which was really disconcerting to see this beautiful children's character. And then he's... It's just the head on a stick. That was actually used for the scene where I see Clifford for the first time and I scream in terror and there was no required. We just shoved his head on a pole in front of me and I was absolutely bricking it and screamed and ran out of the room. That's awesome. So we really loved the theme of the film, which is just because you're different, it doesn't mean that you're an outcast. Is there anything that has really made you feel different in your life that you now see is a strength? I live in North Carolina and I've always grown, I'm growing up here and um, acting has always really been like a big part of my life. And so that kind of made me feel different from like all the other kids at home and like at my school because all my other friends who are actors and actresses live in LA. And so um, my friends here don't do that. And so whenever I would leave for months on end and then come home, it made me feel like kind of different and strange. And I was like, I hope that my friends see me the same as they did in kindergarten and and things like that. But now I realize that it's so special and and it's such a blessing and so unique for kids my age to have these opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I think when I was little, I had uh, periods of my childhood where I struggled as well and was quite an awkward child and um you know felt like I was a bit of an outsider at school and you know I think 
back then if I'd been able to go and see movies like this and realize that I wasn't alone and that this was not a unique experience to me and that lots of people have these kind of like feelings and that it will get better uh you know I would have taken um a lot of you know strength from that so I think that's why it's nice to be able to put a movie like this out into the world and know that kids around the world are going to be watching it and uh you know connecting with it in a real way next we are talking to one of my all-time favorites guys I got teary-eyed two times during this <laughs> interview so Tony Hale he plays the film's villain Tyrion and I'm just going to warn you in advance if you don't already love him you are going to be so head over heels after this interview hi How's it going? Uh, if I may gush for a moment, I am such a huge fan of your work. Oh. You are one of my all-time favorite actors, I think. She's not lying. I'm not. I talk about you all the time. The way you bring so much heart oh. into all of your characters. And it's hilarious. Buster from Arrested Development. Buster. Gary, indeed. So nice. It's so nice to talk to you. I think this is the first time I've really seen you play a villain. How was that for you? Really fun. Um, first of all, it's very sweet. And um, I'm so grateful to have the jobs. Uh, I don't know what it says about me that I play anxious and emasculated, but I'll work that out with my therapist. Um, But it's really fun to play the dark side. I mean, this character, he wants to exploit Clifford, whereas everybody else wants to kind of embrace him. And it's fun to always play the opposite and do something different. Really fun. Yeah, you were great. I missed that Tony Hill that I was like, oh, he's so sweet. But this was great. It was no. such a, a wonderful turn. Another side of I miss seeing you in a turtleneck. I miss seeing you in a dark turtleneck. It had been Thank so you. long. I needed a little Steve Jobs moment on camera. So what do you think is the biggest challenge of working with a CGI character? Um, well, first of all, your dresser, did you paint that yourself? That is very cool. I did not. It is an old pottery barn that I got on deep discount because I was a starving artist in New York City in my 20s. <laughs> and this piece of furniture has traveled with me in every it house. Is. It was the fanciest thing I bought in my 20s. They need to bring that back. It's very cool. Um, <laughs> I Working with CGI, I have a lot of... A lot of admiration for these people that do any kind of animation, like even doing when I did Toy Story and with that world, it's just the work they put into it and the work that they put into Clifford. Because we saw these big kind of puppets at different stages and, you know, little Darby Camp who plays Emily Elizabeth, you know, she would have Clifford here and then she at different stages and just these puppeteers would be wearing all red and then they'd have these big red puppets and that's, they gave us something to react off of. But it's just fun. If, you know, you can just go all out. It's like doing children's theater where you're just like having fun. It's like, and you're reacting to a big red dog that's running around New York City. And just like, when when did I ever think I'd be doing that? Also masterful slide-in of Toy Story. I mean, that was great. Did that seem intentional? No. <laughs> did you read the Clifford books growing up? I feel like pretty much everyone did. How was it different reading it as an adult preparing for this film? Mm, yeah, I mean, it was, started what, 1963? I was born in 1970. I feel like Clifford was always a part of the house somewhere. It was a part of the house when my daughter was young. And so it's always a little intimidating stepping into that kind of an established story. But if you really dig into the story, just the fact that what grew Clifford is Emily's love for him. And that's what gave him strength. That's what gave him growth. I mean, that message of like celebrating differences, that's what we need to do for people because criticism is not going to make them grow and strong. You know, it's the love for them. Yeah. And it's just, it really is such a beautiful story. 
story that I feel like these are simple truths that adults need to focus on. That's the beauty of children programming. That theme of the film of feeling different doesn't mean that you're an outcast. Is there anything that you growing up ever made you feel different that then now you cherish as an adult? Oh, I love that question because I was uh, an asthmatic kid. I dealt with anxiety. I grew up in the South where, you know, football was pretty much a religion. I was not a sports person. By the grace of God, I found this theater that my parents signed me up for. And really not easy things to walk through, but it's cool how having struggled with anxiety, and then I play these anxious characters when I get older, you know, through Arrested and Veep and other stuff. And it's even though it was tough, it's neat to see how it's used in my work. You know, and I can maybe because of what I've gone through, I can hopefully bring a little more of an authentic version of that. You know, so that's pretty neat. My all-time favorite Tony Haleism is I have to go to Army. Can I get one? I have to go to Army. Yes. I have to go to Army, mother. That's the best. Also, R.I.P. What a legend. Yes. Too. Oh. I know, Jessica. And he would always go, These are my awards from Army, mother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, let me tell you right now, the most dysfunctional scene I've ever done was when she was on house arrest and couldn't smoke. And I had to suck the smoke from her mouth and then blow the smoke on the balcony and then come back. And then she would blow it like a baby bird <laughs> sucking. So, I mean, it was just the most disturbing image. Oh, but it's so good. Thank you. You just made all of my dreams come true. Here's the backbone of the film. Producer Jordan Kerner and director Walt Becker. What do you guys think is the biggest challenge working to produce something that has a CGI main character. I think it's always when you deal with uh, CGI, one of the big challenges is to be able to provide all your actors with enough of a presence on the day to have them actually kind of emote in the right ways. So very early on, we realized we were going to have to kind of create some version of a 10-foot puppet. And we had seen a play in New York, uh, War Horse, that was puppeted by two guys. And I just could not believe the behavior that they could get off a horse. And I, I said, well, you think we could do this with a dog? And we did. We had a great effects company that came in and, you know, we, they could articulate the head and open the mouth and the neck and two great puppeteers. So when the actors were acting, they kind of got lost in it. I mean, you, you know, you could tell when Clifford was happy, when he was sad, where even just where he is in space. Um, so you do a take like that and then you pull out that puppet and you shoot what we call the plate pass, which is basically now the actors just have to remember what they were doing and where they were looking. And that's, you know, a challenge for the actors. But that generally, in terms of the actual performance capture, the hard part. And then, of course, dealing with a photo real dog behavior, that's a, a testament to our great MPC visual effects company who did Lion King. You guys remember that? The new one? And uh, Jungle Book. So they were really... I mean, they had animal behavior pretty pretty down. I think this was maybe the first dog that they did. So lots and lots of research into what dogs do with how they act. Uh, a lot goes into it. I would add one other thing in terms of the visual effects and all of that, that what they did in Lion King and what they did in Jungle Book really had animals looking like and feeling like animals without emoting in a way that we can understand and relate to like a real dog because dogs are pack animals and so much more emotional uh, in that way than a lion. So it was very difficult really in the beginning to get that puppy, the wagging, the expressions and all those things that didn't anthropomorphize the dogs, you know, our Clifford, but actually made Clifford feel like, because we're all dog lovers, made him feel like our dog or a dog we know who was loving or was funny or was sad or was embarrassed or whatever it was. Um, we worked very hard to get those emotions right. That's what hooked my daughter is the very realistic 
animal. Both Ashley and I have dogs, and that's what really hooked my daughter in for the whole film. Next up, Isaac Wang, who plays Owen Yu, and not only stole the movie, but also our hearts during this interview. Isaac, you were amazing in the film. Did you read the Clifford books growing up, or how was it different now maybe rereading them, preparing for the role? Oh, yeah, of course. I read, like, every single book ever created. I also watched, like, every single cartoon, so Clifford was a big part of my childhood. And rereading the books to get prepared for Owen and getting prepared for the movie itself, it was like it was tasting a food that you haven't tasted in a long time. It was like a renaissance. You're like, oh, wow. It's been so long. And so that's basically how I felt rereading the books. Isaac, you're better spoken than me and I'm a 43-year-old woman. So you're doing great. (laughs) Thank you. Guys, lastly, the legend, the icon. Oh, John Cleese, who plays Mr. Bridwell. And buckle up, guys, because this was a ride that was so twisty and turny. We did not want to get off this ride. And also, shout out to my stepdad who introduced me to the wonder that is Monty Python. Yep. This interview is dedicated to you. Aw. Hello, Mr. Cleese. Oh, look, two girlies. How nice. Ashley and Kerry, spelled K-E-R-I. Why is it not spelled properly, Kerry? I mean, I could tell you, my mom named me after the lotion from the 70s and the 80s. (laughs) I'm not even joking, John. That's what she did. (laughs) I mean, silky smooth. That's me. What were you named after, Ashley? (laughs) I was actually named after a character on a soap opera that my mom thought was beautiful. And then it got cancer on the soap opera. So, Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Cleese, my name is Ashley Heron-Smith. I'm from Momtrage. And I'm Carrie Sotero, and I'm also from Momtrage. Thank you so much. Thank you. What an honor. I like the name of Momtrage. Like Entourage. Obviously, you know this. You are a legend, an icon, a beloved person in the lives of so many people that have never, ever met you. You were a household name to me and Ashley, obviously. Monty Python. I'm a very, very, very wonderful human being. Let's just say uh, I looked at myself in the mirror this morning and I fainted. I just thought, how can anyone be as wonderful as me? You know, if I were you, I would too, in all honesty. (laughs) My brother, who is a very small person, we're a small peoples, his entire bicep is a drawing from Life of Brian. Really? Wonderful. His entire bicep. That's how much we like Monty Python. I'm glad you like Life of Brian, you see, because Americans prefer Holy Grail. But I think Life of Brian is just wonderful. There's a moment when and the guy throws his stick away and says, I was blind and now I can see. And he falls into a big hole. I think that's one of the funniest things anyone's ever done. Charles McGurn was the actor's name. But that's how we committed my family is to you. So, you now, know. What about you, Ashley? Can you match that? I can match that. I don't have any tattoos. Could you get a tattoo? Would you be prepared to commit on this program? As much as I adore you, I'm going to have to pass on that one. <laughs> I'll faint in the mirror looking at myself if I'm you, but no, no permanence. Heron Smith. What a strange name. Heron. Yeah. Heron is Black Irish. Oh, is it? You know what Heron means in English? Uh, no. Ferret. It's Lake Ferret. 
Isn't that funny? Really? Yes. Nobody knows that. Well, you've never made me want to change my last name more. (laughs) (laughs) You could be Ferret Smith. Nobody could get that. (laughs) May I ask you, your character is named after the author of the Clifford books, Norman Bridwell. And you are just so perfectly cast as this magical, mystical kind of man. I mean, what made you take on a role like this? Well, um, I like the script and I've uh, worked with the producer a number of times and and uh, I just, uh, I love working with him because he creates a, a wonderful atmosphere. And he's also, he wants, he's very easy to work with, but he knows what he wants. He's the only producer I've ever worked with who uh, gives me good acting notes. I mean, that's never heard of, you know. And then when I read it, I thought, well, this is a charming part to play. And and uh, it's quite easy because it doesn't have to be funny. Uh, what people don't realize is that being funny or you know, being uh, trying to get laughs is much harder than straighter acting and this is just a very gentle delightful bit of straight acting i wanted to go in the uh animal tent personally it was wonderful and there was a sloth in there and i'd always thought sloths were rather sort of friendly slightly dozy animals and apparently you've got to be quite careful i was a bit really you can't ever trust a sloth sloths poop in their own water that they drink you can never trust as someone that does no right and it must be a big shock when when a little baby goes uh Sloth grows up and its parents have to tell it that it's a, a deadly sin. Yes. <laughs> It's an awful shock when you're a young sloth to say, sorry, darling, but you need to know we're all deadly sins. I'm no longer calling them sloths. From now on, they are sloths. Um, I feel like that is much more elegant. Yes, sloth is not a, a sloth's not a good sound. Sloth. No, sloth. I can't imagine acting with a CGI animal. How was that for you? Very easy, because when the Clifford was small, I was just given a sort of cushion, soft toy. Uh, it was just a quite, quite not very heavy, but slightly heavy and red. And I just handled that. And then they do everything in CGI. And then when he's big, the only thing I have to do is make sure that my eye line is right. The um, operator, camera operator, just gets two little bits of tape, sticky tape, and, and makes a cross out of them and says, put, sticks it on something. It might be the camera or something behind that. And say, just look at that when you're talking to him. So it's, it's terribly easy. Well, it has been such... An absolute honor and a pleasure talking to you, Mr. Cleese. This moment will flash before your eyes as you lie on your deathbed. It probably will. This was really an honor and a pleasure. I'll say, John, John, (laughs) goodbye. Goodbye. John, John. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mr. Cleese. (laughs) Enjoy your day. Goodbye. (laughs) You are two great girlies. Oh, thank thank you. you. As are you, sir. Can we just do all the interviews with you? I mean, yes. (laughs) Please. Do you want to just keep us around? We'll hang out all day. Lovely. Clifford the Big Red Dog is out now in theaters and on Paramount Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
What's the deal with Clifford? What is the deal with Clifford? Oh, we are going to deep dive into Clifford because we watched the movie. We were at the junket and spoke to all the people. We are doing this. Are you ready? Let's go. You want to start it off? Yeah, because this is my favorite one. What's the deal with Clifford's poops? Like, how... (laughs) big do you think his poops are? I mean, I appreciate that they didn't show it, but I kind of wish that they had shown it because I'm just dying inside to know. Do you pick it up with a know. shovel in a trash bag? It's got to be the size of a, like a toddler, yeah. right? Or like a seven-year-old. Also, how many times has this question been asked internally throughout the years? Because you know the moms that are reading the Clifford books that are from yes. way back are also thinking to themselves, what kind of poop? God forbid Clifford eats something off the street like a chicken bone, which you know is probably easy because a chicken bone small and Clifford's tongue probably picks up everything off the street and he gets the runs. Run for cover. That is a landslide right there. Yeah. Can you imagine if he like eats your ring and you have to dig through his poop? It's like... <laughs> you have to it's, dive into it. Oh my God. You'd have to put on those like cow impregnation gloves. You know the ones yes. that go all the way up to your shoulder? But also like Clifford looks like some sort of retriever and you know yes. retrievers are chewers and they eat everything. I think at the beginning we learn he is a retriever, right? right? Yeah. Or, well, he's a red retriever but from... Right, parents. but his mom is a golden retriever. Or a yellow lab. You know, I'm not really sure. Could have been either. I think it was a retriever. It could go either way, honestly. Labs tend to not be so fluffy. But either way, both of those breeds of dogs, big chewers, big chewers. But also good boys. Good boy. You think yeah. that's why he makes them so helpful. Like, what kind of chewing slash eating of garbage? I had a black lab growing up and it ate through the sheetrock of our bathroom to get out of the oh house. Oh, God. First, she ate her bowl, the entire plastic bowl, and <laughs> the mat it was on because she was locked in the bathroom. <laughs> then she ate through the sheetrock to make it into the kitchen. And then we walked home and she was in the kitchen. I'm like, what? How did she get out of a locked bathroom? And we saw that there was a gigantic hole and she ate her oh way through. Oh my God. Kind of diarrhea that dog had after eating all that garbage. Uh. That's what I'm expecting from Clifford. Second question, keeping it scategorical. Do we have to express the anal glands of that dog? Because that's a two-person job. Firstly, I got to say, I listen, I don't really know what goes into expressing the anal glands of a dog. You should because Clem needs it because she's been itching her butt on the carpet. But she gets it. She gets it all the time. I just have never seen it done. I, I mean, I don't think you want that job. I mean, the Clifford. good news is I think the big dogs don't need it as much as the little dogs. So maybe he's oh, they so don't? big. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's not an issue. Godspeed. Hmm. I hope that's the case because. And Clifford's a boy, so that's better. Anyway, I have so many questions. Can we talk about Tony Hale? Yeah. What's the deal? He's very handsome. And as a big Tony Hale fan who has watched him in so many things, I've even even seen him. I used to wait on him at Cafe Stella. It was before I was a huge, huge fan. I didn't realize what a handsome man he is. And also, like, he doesn't play handsome characters. He plays characters that are often, like, have mommy issues or, you know, not what would immediately think my loins are feeling something. But, guys, it's true. Tony Hale, what's the deal? You're you're just so hot. You know what it is? I think it's the glimmer of kindness in his oh, eyes. So I know nice. that he just is such a lovely man. I know. And I gotta tell you, Waiting on him. Never anything but lovely. I shouldn't have been surprised. What a lovely, lovely man. Guys, he left our children voice messages. He said he was going to, and then he actually followed 
And like really quickly afterwards, like the turnaround time was amazing. I'm like, you were in the middle of a junket and you took the time to record those two. I mean, just a gem, just a gem. Yes. Guys, I mean, I'm speaking to people who live in places where rent is expensive. You know, the edges, San Francisco, California, New York. You know, this story takes place in New York this time around for the movie. I think in in Harlem. Harlem. Well, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. The whole movie doesn't take place in Harlem, but they live currently in Harlem. Yes. In a gorgeous pre-war building with like skylights and stained glass windows. That rent is at Beautiful. least at least twenty five to three thousand a month. That yes. rent at least. It, it, I mean, to put it into perspective, I saw a TikTok last night that was a studio apartment, not very big, but it did have a surprisingly big kitchen and the kind of bathroom where you like have to sit on the toilet. You have to like scoop under mm-hmm. the sink to sit on the toilet, and that was sixteen fifty, and it was like West Eleventh Street or something. This had working pocket doors. It had a skylight. Yes. It had stained glass. I think sixteen fifty for that apartment is a steal, mm-hmm. in my opinion, based on location and everything. I cannot imagine how expensive this beautiful apartment 2500 3000 at least. Because it's a brownstone. I would say 3000 Yeah. But I mean, we're in COVID times. I feel like that's affected rent in weird ways. But um, yeah, not cheap. It fit Clifford, for Christ's sakes. The, now, that apartment was going to be too small for that dog. It's discussed in the movie. Yes, it did fit him. Like, he did physically fit in there. I mean, he was made big inside of it. Right. Fitting him back yes. in might be tricky. I mean, they got him out. I mean, they did get him out. But you No know, talk of oil or butter to, to <laughs> slip out. I would have loved to see that scene. Although sometimes puppies have that like weird collapsible bone thing where they can like get under fences and shit. Like they make their bones flat. Anyway, I'm not a scientist. Like mice? I'm not a scientist or a veterinarian. I almost said vegetarian. Clearly. I'm not a scientist or a vegetarian. What kind of house are they going to have to move into to have Clifford live there comfortably? Like also if she keeps giving him love, is he going to keep growing bigger? I don't know. You got to cut off that love at some point if that's the case. I really don't think you live in a New York City apartment apartment with that dog. That dog needs a backyard to live in. Upstate New York. And yeah, like not even just like a regular ass house. Like my backyard would be too small for it. Your backyard would be too small. They need like a farm. Right. They need like two or three acres. And then they need to like convert a barn. Yes. Into his dog house. And then it might help with food too. Because then they could grow the food and he could probably cut the grass. He could just eat a whole live chicken and just snatch it all up. (laughs) That's the next Very easy. Pro tip. You just credit us. Say thanks to Ashley and Carrie and the mom trash for giving us this upstate. Clifford idea. Right. I have a location you guys can use. You can stay at my parents' house. They have a barn and everything. Great. What's the deal with sweet condensed milk? Bro, my family. Because you're Latina. Yes. My grandmother loved condensed milk. Also, Hawaiians have this thing called shave ice, which is nothing like shave ice here. It is the most incredible, delicious thing in the world. That's Ashley's humble brag that she has a timeshare in Hawaii. Does anyone humble brag about having a timeshare? It's like that episode of South Park where they're like, we're locals to Hawaii. Anyway, but they put sweet condensed milk on top of the shave ice and it is delicious. It's so sweet. Yeah, you know, I think it would be really good in coffee. Like a nice like Americana with a splash of sweet condensed milk would probably be just like like a dulce de leche. I'm gonna humble brag and say when I was in India, which is not even a humble brag, they make a lot of their desserts with sweet condensed milk. Asian people make a lot of their desserts. Yes. And it is like literally like diabetes. The thing that threw me off is I think that old lady was like Eastern European. Is that a thing for Eastern Europeans? I think it's like a Russian thing too. I think it's a thing for places.
places that don't have historically not had good refrigeration. Mm, got it. I mean, you can keep it in a can. Right. Yes. I think it is any kind of like Eastern block wartime refrigeration issue. They use sweet condensed milk because they needed a, it was hard for refrigeration. So I Somehow think it is preserved. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that she uses it as a weapon because I feel like not only could you throw it, but if you fed it to someone, they might have diabetes. I love that lady, by the way. Who is she? I don't know. I thought it was Magda from Sex and the City, but it's not. I love her too. I'm not sure. Yes. Why red? Like, why Norman Bridwell did you pick red? Just out of curiosity, why was it red? Let's make him not only big, but like a really standout color. Like, one of those things individually, he would stand out so hard. The great big blue dog. Right. Or Clifford, the, the big yellow dog. Why? Why red. red? I wonder why. I wonder hmm. why. Because of love and a heart is red and you're filling it with oh, love. Maybe. That would I make don't sense. know. Yeah. I mean, guys, what is the color of love? I know we kind of dissected this, but how much does Clifford eat? And what does he eat? I really like the idea of, you know, just give him a pen of chickens. You go to Tractor <laughs> Supply, you buy the little baby chickens, you let them grow big enough, and then Clifford's just gobbling up live chickens, feathers, beaks, feet, all, you know, because maybe he'll help with like deer population like instead of hunting deer oh my god but then he turns into like a t-rex if, if clifford <laughs> is living on like three acres of land and starts like jurassic goblin clifford edition again yes. another idea that lego toy tie-in we could do there guys we should be if you ever want to turn it into a horror film that's how you do it <laughs> clifford the big red tyrannosaurus rex i mean just add those little velociraptor gills and he'll be like I definitely fucked up the microphone with that. Okay, so Emily goes to a fancy New York City school and she has a scholarship. Like Gossip Girl fancy. That's part of the thing is she's on scholarship, so she's marginalized for being um, poor, right? Also, I don't think she's that poor. I just don't think she's... Not in that apartment. No, I don't think she's comfortably, excessively wealthy, but I would not say she was poor. But it gave me vibes from that Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant show. Where there's the scholarship kid and the whole thing's a scholarship. Thank God Clifford didn't end like the way that movie did. I can't deal with another Hugh Grant heartbreak. I mean, Emily Elizabeth does walk around with no purse right. all over the city. It is also giving vibes like but that. But I didn't see any sort of um, witch coats. No, like, crushed velvet no. coats. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, she does kind of have Nicole Kidman vibes. hair in that, you know, in real life, or Nicole Kidman, that we all know that was a wig. Yeah. But Emily Elizabeth, I'm naturally, Darby Camp, yeah. beautiful hair. See it. A young Nicole Kidman, I mean, she was in Big Little Lies. <sighs> With Nicole Kidman. Are we uncovering some sort of... Conspiracy theory? The answer to that is no, we're not. (laughs) What is the deal with John Cleese literally being the sweetest, most charismatic, lovely man ever? How did that happen? I could just listen to him ramble on. Ramble on Rose, John Cleese. I mean, he told you your name meant... Ferret. Ferret. And it still was charming. Okay, so what is the deal with evil geniuses always having a woman that's in love with them? that they never notice. So last night I was watching Spongebob the Musical on Paramount+. Plus. This is not a full plug for Paramount+. Plus. It just happened. You're welcome, Paramount+. Plus. You're welcome, guys. Do the right thing. I don't know what the right thing is, but do it. The Plankton character also seemed kind of, I mean, I guess he's kind of in love with her. But yeah, why is that? And uh, have you ever fallen in love with an evil genius? You know what? You would. Yes. One last what's the deal here. 
Do you think when you smell Clifford's paws, they smell like Fritos? Oh my gosh, it's like you're living in a Frito factory. 100% no. Paws that big in New York City definitely smell like shit and piss <laughs> and vomit. Like, all it takes is him walking down, walking around Turtle Bay on a Sunday morning, and the amount of filth that he has gotten under his paws Guys, is just so you despicable. know, Turtle Bay is an area where a lot of finance, young finance bros live. Like 20-year-old finance bros, and it always, on a Sunday morning... You, like, drink at comedy clubs and Irish pubs and it's a yes. nightmare. The kind of Irish pubs that turn into dance clubs which is like my favorite kind of bar but I'm, you know, whatever. I'm not, so I'm not judging but Sunday, you know, at those clubs they'll throw napkins as like when when you're really fist bumping and the party's really fucking heavy they throw napkins so the next day the streets are just littered like Third Avenue is littered with like puke and old beer and cigarette butts and like urine on doorsteps. Yeah. Yes. Yes, all kinds of filth. And Clifford's like, this is the most delicious smell and place to live. And his feet are so big, you can't avoid those spots. But the first time he gets big, and she's, that must have been the best Frito smell ever. Oh. Oh. Wow, that was fun. Yeah. That was really fun. I like that. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hashtag swag bag. Hashtag swag bag. Yeah, we have the same hashtag swag bag. Guys, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Hold on, Clementine, the little orange dog, is upset right now. She's like, how dare you say his name in this house? (laughs) Clementine would fucking die. Her heart would just stop, and her legs would be frozen in front of her if she ever saw Clifford. Beckett would try to hump him, because that's the kind of bro he is. Oh, my God. So, Clifford the Big Red Dog, the movie, it was really, actually very cute. I enjoyed watching it, and I usually tune out and do work when we put on something for Luna. It was very enjoyable. Work, or TikTok, or something. I watched the whole movie. I enjoyed it. Sebastian was totally captivated. There's something for everybody. There's adult jokes. There's physical comedy for kids. It's really good for everyone. You've got Tony Hale. You've got John Cleese. You've got Jack Whitehall, which we haven't talked about. Very attractive. Very attractive. And even more attractive when he uses his British accent. Hopefully he thought I was cute with my terrible British accent, but I don't think he did. Sadly, I don't think anyone does. No. (laughs) No. Just me. I think I'm cute and charming. You guys definitely watch it. The nice thing is the way that the world is working out right now with COVID and everything is you don't even have to go to the movies. So check it out. Clifford the Big Red Dog, the movie is out now in theaters and on Paramount+. Plus. Bye! See you next week! Bye, guys! Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. 